This is episode 32 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Hi, honey. Hello, welcome back. You guys, this is probably the earliest we've ever recorded the podcast in the evening. That yeah, is. it's 7.45. Usually it's like 9.30, 10.30. Well, we have a reason this week, and yeah. that's because our little boy he's has... a little under the he's, weather. He's got the croup again. He's had the croup. I don't know why I'm calling it the croup. He's had it four times. This People is the who don't time. have kids are not going to get this. It's it's a it's a virus, like a cold virus, and it makes little kids like cough like a seal and not be able to breathe. It makes adults like have a slight cough. Yeah. So basically, he had a really rough night sleeping last night. We took him to urgent care. He's feeling better now, but we're trying to record this before he might have another coughing episode later so that we can be with him. Poor little guy. I know. Probably be in bed by like, you know, as soon as we finish this. Yeah. I slept on the floor last night in his room, which I feel like is a rite of passage for parents. Do you think that sleeping on the floor of your kid's room? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I I felt, you know, it was a little uncomfortable, but I had a pillow and a couple blankets. It was good. You're a champ, honey. Can we talk a little bit about, though, his cow birthday party? Oh, it was was a a huge success. Maureen made a killer cow cake out of cupcakes yeah it was we, really we briefly fun. mentioned this on the podcast last week when maureen was talking about using part of an oreo to make the hooves of the cow and the cow turned out great and caleb loved the cake yeah he ate a cupcake every day for four days for four days and every night he had a cupcake he insisted that we light candles and sing happy birthday it was adorable it was adorable but you know it was it was a very successful party Good job, Maureen, on all the planning. We really committed to the cow theme. Yeah, we did. Thank you, honey. And thank you for all of your hard work to help get it off the ground. Oh, I was just a servant. I just helped out. I didn't do much of the planning. You lifted you lifted a big burden off and did a lot of the cleanup. So I did do some cleanup. Teamwork. Can we, can we talk a little bit about something we mentioned last week about these candy hearts? Yes, and I found them at the grocery today. This morning, I went to pick up a prescription for our little guy, and uh, and a display at the end of the aisle were uh, like hundreds of boxes of these little candy hearts. I'm like, what was this article all about? I tried them. I tried them. Are they bad? Okay, so I don't know what it is. They, they're not like the traditional. I was traditional... so excited to get them for you. I think here's the thing. The flavor is fine, but the consistency is a little weird. It's like they're hard. Have they always been hard? Yeah, there's different brands, and I like the hard ones better than okay, the Okay, these are hard, ones. and it looks like the type on the on the actual heart is is pretty easy to read. So I was able to read... Something like for real. That was one of the messages. Kind of weird. Uh, the flavor. I think I, I mean, was wrong. Those are your favorite milkshakes from Wawa. It was like a sign. For real? Oh, yeah. I think that I was wrong last week because I had one of the white ones and it's pretty good. Oh, I think stop I Stop it. You can't. I knew it. I don't want to say anything, favorite. but there are no more white ones left no. in this little box. Are you joking? The box is is like three you inches tall. You didn't even tall. save me one. I didn't realize. I got they... you the box out of love and you couldn't even save me one white one. I didn't realize one? that the white ones were gone. I had <gasps> two. Sorry. Oh my goodness. Good thing the box is only 39 cents. We'll have to get another one. Next time I'll buy myself a box. You should buy yourself a box next time. All right. Other update is... Other update. I forgot to mention this on the on the podcast last week, but we talked all about Oscar nominations, 
And I did not mention that I did, in fact, see Glenn Close in The Wife. I watched the movie The Wife on an airplane. While I was watching Juggington with no sound. <laughs> you had a podcast in your ears. You Not had head- the same. <laughs> you had headphones in. Caleb was on my lap. <laughs> Caleb was watching his show on Maureen's lap, and I was watching The Wife. I watched half on the way on our trip, and I watched half on the way back. I have to say, the movie itself is completely unremarkable, but Glenn Close is good. I don't and she's know. She's never won an Oscar. She's never won an Oscar. She's That's been nominated crazy. six times, the seventh time for for this movie, The Wife, and she's never won. I think she will win because as we're going to talk about in the snack bag. She won a SAG award this past weekend, which is a a pretty good bellwether for the Oscars. But she's pretty good. I I mean, it's not for me. It wasn't the greatest performance that I saw last year. I thought Lady Gaga was equally as good. But when you're comparing someone who's been in the business for years but and years and years, that's not what the award is. I don't. I want to say I don't think that's what the award should be. I think that's the what the award is. I think that's what it's become. But Meryl's gotten a million. Yeah, but think about someone la- like last year when Gary Oldman won. I mean, people say he was good in the film Darkest Hour, but was it the greatest performance he's ever given? Probably not. Was it better than everybody else? Probably not. But he'd been nominated before and had never won. And so it ends up becoming sort of like a Lifetime Achievement Award. I don't buy that. Because there's plenty of people who would deserve something like that and have never gotten one. We are going to talk about the SAG Awards as part of the snack bag, but I want to save that because first I want to talk quickly about a really sad story that I read in the news over the past week. I'm sure you've heard about it if you've been following any entertainment news at all. But there's an actor named Jussie Smollett. He is an actor on Empire. Jussie Smollett was attacked walking home this past weekend in Chicago. It appears very clearly to be a hate crime, like a homophobic crime. He's an actor of color. And I just, I don't really have any commentary on this other than to say these things are awful and they need to stop happening. And they happen far more often than probably this case, but this person is prominent. So it got a lot of news coverage. These things really have to stop. And I think that unfortunately, the people in power in our country are sort of making people emboldened to do these things. And that's really awful. And so I think these things just have to stop and they're awful. It's really sad to hear that these things that you see in movies, you know, like we saw some of this in the Green Book, which we talked about, and it's hard to watch on screen. But in that one, you could say, well, this was a long time ago, but these things are still happening. And it's really sad. And we can't let this keep happening as a society. So obviously treat people with kindness and respect. And even if you do something little today, like hold the door open for someone who you may not have before or smile at someone extra, just show a little kindness and let's all be good to each other. Well said. Okay, let's move on to happier and funnier snack bag topics. The first one I want to start with tonight is the story that I saw about Ariana Grande. We've talked about her on the podcast before, but this time she had a little tattoo faux pas. A tattoo snafu. A tattoo snafu. I like that. So what happened was she has a new song called Seven Rings. And in the song, I guess she uses some Japanese characters to spell out Seven Rings. So she decided to get a tattoo of this to commemorate the song. On her hand, like straight up on the inside of her hand. On the palm. And she misspelled the the (laughs) Japanese characters on her hand. So instead of it saying Seven Rings, it now says barbecue grill wasn't it something like a like a heart didn't she add a heart or she, now it's like a I heart a little right, barbecue she, grill? she tried to fix it so she asked a japanese tutor her japanese tutor to help her fix it and the person said okay you can fix it by adding this character above the current tattoo two other characters 
but instead of adding it above, she added it below. And a heart. And a heart. <laughs> and she actually ended up making it worse. So now it says something like, I really love barbecue grills. Little it, barbecue grills. Little barbecue grills. <laughs> it's just so silly. And it just made me think, why do people get tattoos in other languages when they don't know what it really means? You want to know what it made me think? Why is this getting media attention? Like, don't we have better things to talk about? Because she's Ariana Grande. All right. Well, I don't know, man. I just think we've got bigger fish to fry, like being good people. I just thought it was such a silly thing. And people are giving her a lot of flack online for this this mess up of hers. I just thought it was funny. I mean, it's very harmless, but thought we had to cover it. She keeps saying in the article also that it's going to wear off, like because it's in such a like used. She's and probably not wrong. Frictioned part of your hand, so she's like, whatever. It doesn't matter that I messed up. It'll rub off anyway. <laughs> I think the funniest part about it is that she thought she fixed it and only made it worse. So instead of actually taking what her Japanese tutor said and fixing it correctly, she just made it worse. So, you know, there you go. Very silly. Very silly. Okay, let's talk about the SAG Awards briefly because they happened last weekend. So let's talk about the five major categories, film categories that were given out. So we have Best Actor, which went to Rami Malek. He's cleaning up in this category. He beat Christian Bale, which is a big deal because this is the first time they've gone head to head. You know, at the Golden Globes, they were in in separate categories. And he beat out Christian Bale. That's a big deal. Then we have Best Actress, which went to Glenn Close, like we said, for The Wife. I think that this kind of cements her as almost a sure thing at the Oscars. There's just very little chance that that someone else can, can sweep I in. Can I just interject here and please, say... Please, please interject. I feel really bad for Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. But you can only feel so bad. They're movie stars yeah, and no, pop I know. stars. But, but honey, I know how invested you get when you make a short film and this is like something that probably took them years. I, I don't know. I mean, you're Especially right. This is Bradley. their career. They need to have a thick skin and they're not like hurting for anything in life. But I just feel bad for them. I was really rooting for them and they're not, the film isn't winning anything. It's winning almost nothing, which is really surprising. It's sad. I feel like it came on strong when it came out in October. It made a lot of money, but then it just sort of faded over a couple months. I feel like it's almost too popular. It's like it did too well. Interesting. Like it's like more like in the Black Panther category, which we'll talk about in a second, is doing better than this. But it's like people liked it almost a little too much for it to be like. So people feel like it already got its reward by getting a lot of money at the box office. I don't know. I'm just saying maybe it's not highbrow enough. Maybe it's more for the masses. Lady Gaga is likely going to win an Oscar for best original song. I mean, if there's any category a star is born is going to win, they're going to win. I wish they would have picked one that Bradley could have. Did he sing in that one? He did sing, but the Oscar is for the songwriter, not for the performance. So, yes, he will share in the Oscar, but it's really the songwriting, and Lady Gaga was one of the songwriters. So here's where it gets a little interesting. Something I did not know, Best Supporting Actor went to Mahershala Ali. This is his second SAG Award in three years. He won for Moonlight in 2017, and then he won for Green Book this year in 2019. What's really interesting and what I didn't know is he's only the second actor ever to win two acting awards. And the other one is Daniel Day-Lewis. SAG Awards. Two acting SAG Awards. Daniel Day-Lewis, who is maybe one of the best actors of all time. So that's a a very impressive company. And Maureen's right. He was excellent in Green Book. He's just a really good actor. The really interesting category here is Best Supporting Actress, which went to Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place. She's not even nominated for an Oscar in this category. 
So really, I think this is where, this is the category where people are saying, what's going to happen here? Who is going to take home the Oscar? So who's nominated for the Oscars? So the two that are nominated for Oscars who weren't nominated at the SAG Awards are Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk, who's been talked about for months and months she as being, she did, as being a front runner in this category. And then Marina de Tavera from Roma, who we talked about last week, wasn't even really mentioned in this category at all before she got nominated for an Oscar. So I've read things that say this is Regina King's to lose Wait, at this so point. so who were the five nominated for the Oscar? Let's just recap okay. for everybody. We Regina have King. Regina King. We have Marina de Tavera. We have Amy Adams. And then we have the two from The Favorite. Right. Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz. So I think what's likely to happen is that either Regina King takes home the Oscar because she's been praised for this performance, she just missed out on the SAG Award nomination, or someone like Amy Adams, who's also been nominated a bunch of times, takes home an Oscar for her work in Vice. And she was good. It's certainly not the best performance I've ever seen her give. But again, it goes back to... Are people just rewarding her for a body of work? She's in her mid-40s. She's had a lot of Oscar nominations up to this point. She's a really well-respected and good actress. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. It's just interesting in the article it was saying, like, Vice may not be the performance that they want to give her this award for, which is kind of like, like, if she's good and she deserves that, then give it to her. Don't say, like, well, she, she'll probably have something better come up in her career. Like, that was weird to me. It's really interesting because you look at someone like Martin Scorsese, who ended up winning a directing Oscar for The Departed, which most people agree is not even close to his best film. But he was almost due for an Oscar, it seemed, at that point. And so they said, the movie's good, the directing's good, so we're going to give it to him this year. Same thing happened with... Leonardo DiCaprio. The Revenant may not be his best film ever. Obviously not. Titanic is his best uh, okay. film ever. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not even saying that like just to be it's he not was amazing. Best, it's not and his Kate best Winslet film. Kate Winslet was nominated. Didn't she win? No, she didn't win for that. She should have. In my mind they all won. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> they did win 11 Oscars, but no, I mean Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio is Titanic an... won 11 Oscars. We need to do a whole episode on Titanic. And we will. <gasps> I'm sure we will. Yes. So you know, I don't think that they always reward the best performance of an actor's career, but, you know, when it's their time to win, it's their time to win. So we'll see if Amy Adams can sweep in here and pick up an Oscar. The other category that we have to talk about is the outstanding cast in a motion picture, which went to, surprisingly, Black Panther. Woohoo! Which is really exciting. I think it does dampen the hopes for best picture wins for something like Black Klansman, which was also nominated in this category, and A Star is Born, which also lost out in this category. I just want to say, I I don't know. Everyone tries to predict everything. I think, based on what we learned with the La La Land Moonlight mix-up, you can't, like, literally, everyone was like, it's going to be La La Land, it's going to be La La Land, it's going to be... So when they called their name, by reading the wrong envelope, everyone went up there... But you know what? It was Moonlight, and no one really predicted them to win. I think it's open. I think the Best Picture game could be any of them. I think of all the categories, you're right. Best Picture is the most open, and that's because of the preferential voting that we talked about last week. But who knows? I, you know, It's hard to see a movie like Black Panther coming in and winning Best Picture, but if it did, that would be really, really surprising. And a pleasant surprise, too. Okay, I think that will about do it for the snack bag this week. But before we jump into the marquee topic, how about a quick word from one of our sponsors, Maureen? Okay. Do you ever listen to an episode of the podcast and think, man, I'd love to give podcasting a try? Or maybe you think to yourself, that Josh, he's a hack. 
I could do my own show about pop culture. I'd want to keep Maureen, though. She's great. Well, I've got good news for you. Anchor, the very platform we use for the podcast, is the easiest way to make a podcast. Their platform is super simple to use and gives you everything you need to make your show in one place, either on your phone or on your computer. And the best part? It's completely free to use. They have the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast, and they'll take care of distribution so you can make your voice heard everywhere from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Google Podcasts and more. You can also make money from your podcast, and get this, there is no minimum listenership required to start making money. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, back to the show. Maureen, let's talk marquee topic this Josh, week. Josh, let's talk marquee topic. What are we talking about this week? Rent. We are talking this week. December 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but that's not what they said. What did they say? They changed a few lines in this live version of Rent that we're going to talk about, and that was one of them. So we are going to talk this week about the Fox production of Rent that was on television last weekend. It was supposed to be a live performance. We'll get into that whole drama in a second. But just to set things up a little bit, last Sunday, the live musical trend continued with Fox's production of Rent. This is the Pulitzer Prize and Tony-winning rock musical that first premiered on Broadway in 1996 and later went on to be a feature film starring mostly the original Broadway cast, including Tay Diggs, Adina Menzel, and others. And for those who aren't familiar, Rent is the story of young artists living in New York City and dealing with issues such as HIV, homosexuality, and more. In what year? That's important. In, in 1991. The early yeah, in the early 90s. Did you say that already and I messed you up? I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. You didn't okay. mess me up. I just think I, that's an important like qualifier yeah. that it's like early 90s. The AIDS crisis is huge. There's a lot of disparity in New York City. And this is, you know, kind of where this story lives. So there have been talks about bringing this musical to TV, and it finally happened mostly with a cast of unknown young actors and singers. I'd say the biggest names who were in it were Jordan Fisher, who's a dancer. He won Dancing with the Stars a couple years ago. And he's a Disney kid. He's a Disney kid. Vanessa Hudgens, another Disney kid who's been in a bunch of things. And then R&B singer Mario. It also starred Nashville singer Brennan Hunt, Tinashe, Kiersey Clemens, and Broadway actor Brandon Victor Dixon, who you might remember if you watched last year's live production of Jesus Christ Superstar, he was Judas, and really quite good in that. Okay, with all that out of the way, we do have to make one caveat here. So this was supposed to be a live production. Similar but, to like what we've seen with Grease and The Sound of Music and Peter oof, Pan. Peter Pan. <laughs> what happened though was <laughs> that great. the night before on Saturday night, they were doing a dress rehearsal of the show in front of a live audience. And the, the lead actor, Brennan Hunt, who plays the character of Roger, broke his foot about 15 minutes before the dress rehearsal was over. So right before sort of the very last part of the show. 
And he broke it so badly, he had to go to the hospital. And that left Fox to scramble to figure out what are we going to do? How are we going to put this on live Sunday night? So what they opted to do was instead of showing it live with him in a wheelchair for the whole time, they aired the filmed performance that they had captured that Saturday night at the dress rehearsal. And then the last 15 minutes, they had restaged everything so that this guy, Brennan Hunt, with a giant cast on his foot, could be out there and they could perform the very end of the show. Okay, so with all that said, it sort of colors our commentary of this a little bit because Maureen and I are both performers or have performed in the past. And what I want to say about this is that I don't think it's entirely fair to judge wholly on a dress rehearsal because while they were in front of an audience and while they were clearly trying there is just a certain adrenaline that you don't get at a dress rehearsal that would be there on a live or live performance or an opening night that is just really hard to explain if you've never been on stage is that fair yeah i mean that's a good point i didn't think about that you know and you don't sometimes you don't always go full out in a dress rehearsal but in this case i'm not making excuses but i just want to say There is something to be said for there's just a different adrenaline when you know it's the performance versus when you are thinking it's your last real practice. You can put that into any context for those of you non-performers listening. So like if you've got a big board presentation and you're doing like, you know, a dry run for your boss, that's very different than when the whole boardroom is there. And, you know, this is like your big make or break moment. Right. So all that's to say, we're going to talk about this. We're going to give our opinions on this. But just know that it's probably not what we would have gotten had the actor not broken his foot and had we gotten a full live performance on Sunday night. Okay, so first I want to start by talking about our personal background with this show. So Maureen, when did you first see it? So I don't know when I first saw it. Or how many times have you seen it? What's your relationship with the show? So I basically was a theater nerd in high school. My brother can tell you that. And I listened to, I mean, like I came across Rent because I was studying theater and I was, you know, really into musicals. And so I had the CD in my car. And so like junior and senior year, I would listen to Rent a lot. Um, So for me, it was always like, oh, I'm a big theater person and Rent is a big like anthem type musical that like every theater person needs to like know and love. And I knew and loved it. It did feel like the cool thing, right? For being a theater person in high school in the two thousand early 2000s, it felt like the cool thing to do was to have the Rent CD, to know it with your friends, to sing it with your friends. I have to say, I was almost the same way when I was in high school and a big theater person. This was the show that people kept going back to. You'd listen to the soundtrack, you'd sing all the songs, you'd know all the words. It was cool to be able to sing all the songs with your friends. I've seen the show several times on stage, I think maybe three or four times. I've seen the movie. I saw the movie in theaters like three or four times, which is just a ridiculous number of times to see a movie that's not the very good. The movie was not good. No, but I but it was one of those things where I thought, this is this is cool. I need to be here and support so this. I didn't actually think this is cool. It was Oh, I did. I was it was super more nerd. like I mean, I knew it wasn't cool, but it was like this is authentic theater. This is what it really means to be an artist. So when I was like 16, 17, this, it was like, this is like, you know, you're suffering, you're in New York, you're dirty, you're singing about it. I don't know. I I think I I get what you're saying. So I think we should jump into the next part of this discussion by saying that our, our interpretation of the musical now is very different than (laughs) what it was in high school. We were like, we're so old. Like we look at this through such a different lens now. Well, I want to say that 
there are just a couple of things that stand out about the musical that are just absolutely ridiculous when you think about it now. I do want to say up front, the music is great. I really like the music. It's got a lot of great songs. Rent is an amazing musical. Everyone who hasn't seen it, it's worth experiencing. It's iconic. Yeah. And and I think probably when it came out in 1996, it, it made a lot more sense because of the time period that it came out in and the time period it was referencing. But I will say the whole premise of the show is that these sort of bohemian style artists don't want to basically be adults. They're adults, but they don't want to be adults. They don't want to pay their rent. And the villain in the first act, who is Benny, who is played by Tay Diggs in the original. He's like a sellout. He used to be their friend. He and used then to he be married an artist. Rich. Yeah. And then, and now he's and a businessman. He wants them to pay their rent. Right. <laughs> he was played by Mario in this production. He, basically, the premise is that he wants them to pay rent and stop basically squatting in this loft that they live in. And he's offer he literally offers them free rent to live above a state-of-the-art studio where they can create and be artists and they say for no free. For, for free. free. And they say no. It that that whole thing, when you when you approach it as an adult who has to make money and have health insurance and everything like that is just the silliest. I I, I couldn't get over that when I was watching it again and when I listen to the music now. So that is one thing. But I think that that's also something to be said about what you and I value as adults. And we value things. Everyone everyone has a different set of values and what's important to them. And things like security and stability and financial solvency are things that we value. There are plenty of adults in this world who do not value those okay, things. Okay, that's fair. But you have to value being a law-abiding citizen and paying rent to live somewhere. I, no, I'm not I, – I totally agree with you. I'm just saying that like – I think there are some artists now who would who don't have health insurance and that doesn't bother them. That drove me crazy when I was in New York. Um, anyway, I just think that there are different l- thresholds for people and we just happen to be in the more nerdly end of that maybe. Okay, so did you enjoy this live production? First of all, do you enjoy these live productions overall? I think there have been six or seven or eight or nine of these since... The Sound of Music first happened a couple years ago in this reinvention of the TV the musical. Sound of Music the first one? Yeah, of the new era of these. I think I liked Grease the best. This one, in general, they always are picking musicals that I tend to know pretty well. They pick some pretty mainstream musicals that have their original Broadway cast recording is iconic in a lot of ways. So or it's hard the, for you to there separate. There was a movie that was iconic, yeah. Um, in the case of Rent, the movie was bad, but the show was good. So it's it's kind of like, to me, I've already been exposed to this material. So I'm like, why? Why would you remake this in a po- possibly not as good way? But what I really like about this phase of doing live musicals is that there are a whole bunch of people who have never even heard of these musicals. I just happen to be a musical theater person. Or who may never have access to seeing them on stage because exactly. seeing them on stage is really expensive. So I love that they're doing it and I love that more people are seeing it. And this production may be some teenagers first exposure to it and this may be their original broadway cast recording so for me did i like it i liked watching it i would never watch it again i would never <laughs> listen to the soundtrack because i would want the original like it was hard what like listening to this and being like yeah that's not as that's not the version that i know and love yeah there was a there was a commercial for the the recording that you could get of this of this cast singing this the show and both Maureen and I looked at each other and said no no thanks yeah but if I was 15 and this was the first time I was hearing it I would probably want to hear the version that I saw so I think that 
it's like the new generation. Again, we're moving. We're old now. We're not like theater kids anymore. We pay bills. So I don't know. I like that they're doing it. I thought this production was okay. okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The performers were really talented, but they do were. Want, do you want yeah. me to get into like my critiques? Of yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I thought sure. that their voices were good. The core there was not enough choreography. It was mostly just like grinding on poles and like wrought iron scaffolding. The, I, the staging to me, they staged it in the round, which means there was audience on all sides of them, and it was this expansive set that they could walk around and and go up on things and go down on things, and again, audience members everywhere. And to me, it just seemed like some of the blocking or traveling that they were doing on stage was unnecessary, and that they were just doing it to expose a little bit more of the audience to them up close, and not that it was driving the story forward. So I didn't love that. I didn't love the staging. I thought some of the songs were amazing, and I thought some of them were weak. So I think with regards to the performers, I agree with you. For the most part, they were good. I thought all of them with almost no exceptions, were spotty. So there were times when they were really good and there were times when you would listen to them and say, oh, that was not good. That They didn't hit their note or they didn't quite emote well enough. But again, that could be due to the dress rehearsal versus the live performance that we talked about earlier. With regards to the actual production, I think your point about the staging and the choreography, I read a thing that, that didn't really strike me when I was watching it, but it really struck me afterwards, which is that if you didn't know this show, if you weren't aware of what was going on, it's really spatially confusing as to sort of what is going on if you were to watch this live performance. The set wasn't very clear where things were or what they were sometimes. And, and the, almost everything is sung, yeah, just so you know. There's almost no dialogue. Yeah. And the camera movements were sort of like swinging around and, and they were like it was circling. sensationalistic it was it was it was it felt like it was trying to be a spectacle rather than trying to tell the story as its primary goal see what i thought didn't work here that i thought worked well with something like jesus christ superstar live was exactly that that also felt sort of like a spectacle but that to me was presented more as a concert than this was and i think this might have worked better had they done it more simply and done it as a concert like they did with jesus christ superstar so there was staging with that but it was it felt like they were performing to an audience it wasn't in the round and they were just performing this out to you as opposed to trying to make you a part of it because i don't think that really worked i don't think that came across very well okay there were also a couple of sections where the characters did something which is called breaking the fourth wall. And this Ooh, basically means, yikes. no, it can be used effectively in some ways, but it did not need to be here. So what it means is when an actor's on stage and they're interacting with other people, they don't like look out at the audience and acknowledge the audience. When they do, it's called breaking the fourth wall, the wall that's between you and the audience. And so in this, it was like they were not breaking the fourth wall. They were all in their own little world in New York. They were with their characters. The audience was just there observing the characters. The actors did not acknowledge the audience. And then, not because the story called for it yeah, or the not character called for it, but because the staging needed to look like a rock concert, they would break character and reach into the audience and touch their hands like they were rock stars. And this, to me, was just very jarring and not at all in the spirit of Rent. There is no way that the character of Mark, the nerdy video guy, would ever have an entourage of people that he would do a backflop into like he was crowd surfing. Like, it was just <laughs> – it was not – that was in, silly. It was, yeah, it just didn't, it took away from the story. I think so too. So I think it was this conflict, overall it was this conflict between storytelling of the of the actual show 
and the characters and spectacle of being a live production and having to get viewers and keep people engaged. Okay, so do you think that this, did it quote unquote work? So what I mean by that is the thing that I read about this production was that their goal was to, as you talked about before, bring new viewers to this material. So millennials are the people who sort of grew up with this musical and they were trying to bring people like Generation Z into this, into the show. So do you think that it was effective the way they presented it? Like if you were a teenager now, can you separate yourself and say... Yes, I would have loved it. I would have been in the audience being like, touch my hand, touch my hand. I think they picked people to play these parts who younger teenagers or even older teenagers can identify with. They're in, you know, they're popular, but they're not, they're not Ariana Grande, but they're still recognizable. And they had a country singer, they had a rapper, they had a Disney kid, another Disney kid. Like they were, they picked people from different buckets. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of younger performers would probably see this and love it. Do you think that it would have been better served with more seasoned Broadway performers because they had a couple like Brandon Victor Dixon is a big Broadway guy and he did a really nice job as not as their goal is to get is to get more buy-in from like young teenagers at home so you're you're talking about that they use these actors to bring people to the production yeah so they got them to start but that ended up not being the case this this aired to less than four million people so I'm not sure that that aspect of it really worked I I see totally see your point it seems like a lot no uh, you know, the Super Bowl gets like a hundred million. But this is theater. Like we have to start somewhere. We would never get that many. No, but I'm not sure that 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 drawing in new viewers by the Disney talent or you know whatever. I don't think that really worked. I'm asking like once they were there, did the production work? Like you think that it was it was cool enough? It presented like an interesting enough story. Overall, yeah, but I don't think it was. The, the flaws that it had, I don't think was because of who they cast. I think it was because of the direction and the staging. I'm not sure that this entirely worked. And part of it is because Rent is one of the edgier musicals that you could see on stage. It has a lot of curse words. It has a lot of heavy themes. They did have to, because it's on Fox in primetime, they had to take out a lot of the curse words. And I think that you, you might not have noticed had you not known the original score. But if anybody goes back and listens to the original cast, you're going to know that they sort of sanitized this a little bit. And I think that ultimately that was not helpful for the show to sort of dumb down certain parts or censor certain parts because they had to, but keep in other parts. It was it was a little inconsistent. And I think that was part of the problem. Let's end on a happy note. Did you have any standouts that you really liked? Yes. I absolutely hands down i mean i was weeping at the end of it and i don't even like this song but one of the characters passes away and the character's boyfriend sings at the at the funeral and this was done by the gentleman playing collins he is a seasoned broadway performer the one who played judas iscariot that josh was talking about and it was it was a drop dead beautiful beautiful moment I, I don't know how to explain it again I don't even like the song but it was like in the context the character's getting up and he's basically saying this is why I'm gonna miss my partner and this is why my partner was a good person etc cetera, etc cetera. and he sings it in the context of a reprise of one of their songs and the actor was in tears his co-stars were in cheers 
I was in tears. I just thought it was one of the most authentic moments because it wasn't, I'm climbing on a scaffolding. I'm doing this. I'm looking into the camera. It was, I'm standing here surrounded by other characters. I'm relating to them. And I'm giving a really heartfelt delivery of this song. It was beautiful. So my, I just want to say a couple standouts. One was Jordan Fisher. I think he's just a really good young performer. I fell in love with him on Dancing with the Stars. He's so good. He's an amazing dancer. He didn't really get a chance to dance in this, but he's a good singer. He's a good actor. And you could tell he was really committing to the role of Mark that he was playing in this production. I do want to give a special shout out to Vanessa Hudgens. She's not a great actress, but you could tell she was really committed to this. And I think that she helped. She sounded good. Yeah, she sounded pretty good. She's never going to be Adina Menzel in her voice. Like, there's just no way. But she did a really nice job and she really committed. And of all the people in this dress rehearsal, I felt like she committed the most. So I, I have to give her props for that. And then the guy who played Benny, Mario, he just has a really great, smooth voice. He's an R&B singer and... It was just really nice to hear a really good singer there. And that's saying something because the part of Benny is like the it's, lamest yeah, it's in boring, the show. But he, he decided really good. Any last thoughts on Rent? I think if you're at all interested in watching it, it's worth it. But I would say if you have a choice and you have the... If you're going to listen to it, listen to the original Broadway cast record. But I would say if you have a choice, go see it on stage if you can. And go see a professional production because I think you'll get more out of it than you might with this this live uh, TV production. But if that's the only way you can see it, we do recommend checking it out. And I'm excited for the next live musical, whatever it might be. Should we move on to teasers? Yeah. Okay. Maureen, why don't you kick us off? You have a an unusual teaser this My week. My teaser is out of the box. So Out of the box. I was trying to think of teasers and going through like, what have I read? What have I listened to? What have I watched? But my teaser this week for you is something that I find really meaningful, and I want to encourage you to go for a walk outside. Go in the middle of the day on a weekend if you can, because it's warmest around noon. Obviously, we're in the Arctic blast right now. Uh, The polar vortex. The polar vortex. It's in like the teens and 20s in our area on the East Coast. I know Chicago is getting slammed. Anyway, Dress safely, use your best judgment, but next day that it's mildly temperate or at least above freezing, bundle up and go for a walk outside. I find it immensely 
satisfying and it brings a lot of joy to me. And when you go, you can either go with a friend and talk or go by yourself and do not bring a podcast. I know Josh will hate me for saying this. No, listen to our podcast before. Don't even bring our podcast with you. Just go outside and go for a walk, even if it's 15 minutes. Don't listen to music. Don't listen to anything. Just be with your own thoughts and tell us what you think. I find it to be life-changing lately, and I really enjoy it a lot. It's almost like a reverse pop culture teaser there. Yeah, a detox so that you can clear your head and be ready for whatever's coming next. It's just sometimes I feel like we're all super saturated. There's so much on social media and in our email and in our work and in what we watch on TV and in commercials and in podcasts and in audiobooks. And I love all of these things, but I can't really appreciate them if they're all coming at me at once. So sometimes it's nice to step away and just be in the silence so that you can process the things that you're absorbing from those other channels. My teaser this week is something that I don't do often, but I was turned on to this iPhone game called Wordscapes. It's almost like a crossword style game. Thank you, Julia. Thank you to Maureen's family. We were on vacation with them and they let me know about this game. It's really fun. Maureen will tell you that I do not really like video games. I don't play video games, but I've been really interested in this one. It basically gives you a bunch of letters in a circle and then you have to pick out words from those letters and and fill out a crossword like puzzle it's really fun it's it's a little bit mindless but it does feel like you have to work a little bit to to think through what these words are and it's a really nice break if you just need you know five or ten minutes to clear your mind so i'd recommend it it's free there are ads but it's totally worth it to just download it's called wordscapes Okay, I think that will do it for this week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing the podcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Jussie Smollett. He was actually in the original Mighty Ducks movie, which I just rewatched recently. Who I didn't, was he? He's Terry Hall. So there's yeah, Jesse and Terry. I saw that you were rewatching that, by the way. And I watched really all jealous. three of Why the Mighty Ducks. Why didn't you let me watch that with I you? I just started going and I just couldn't stop. I just really like those movies and I would have actually watched them I will with watch you. them again with you. They're all on but HBO. you just watched them. I'm sorry. I started and I just couldn't stop. All right.